0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need
1: Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, November the 28th, 2019. On today's show, it is time for Carolina Clemson. I preview the South Carolina Clemson game, including top storylines, key matchups to watch, keys to the game, and much, much more. Also have a fantastic interview with former Game football player Langston Moore as we discuss his favorite memories from Carolina Clemson, his Just a Chicken children's book series, and also the Fight podcast series, which he is dropping, which actually drops on Thursday. Very excited for you guys to hear that discussion. All of it is brought to you by our friends over at Ag South Farm Credit. Guys, Ag South Farm Credit, most lenders don't understand land financing. Ag South Farm Credit, not only do they understand it, but they specialize in land financing and they've been doing so for over 100 years. They make loans for small and large acreage, hunting property, timberland, farm and pasture land, even home mortgages and construction. They have a ton of great benefits, including long term fixed rate financing for up to 20 years down payments as low as 15%. They have competitive rates and they pay an average of 25% of the interest back every year as what they call patronage. So they're a cooperative. So they share in their profits with their member borrowers. So guys, for example, on a $300,000 loan, at six and a half percent for 20 years, you would get back $2,770 each year. They're literally putting money back in your pocket. They've also got an experienced lending staff that knows land and knows how to finance it. Guys, we're getting that point in our lives, right? I know I am where you want to buy some land, you want to get a mortgage, you want to make, you're making a big life decision. When you're making that type of decision, you want to make sure you have the right people in your corner, AgSouth Farm Credit, they are the right people. A lot of people have been asking about about AgSouth Farm Credit, which is great. There's a lot of interest there. And again, we're all just at that point where I know me personally, you know, I, I, I would love to buy a plot of land, whether it be, you know, farmland, hunting land, and also build up my own house. I think that would be cool, obviously. Um, Ag South Farm Credit, though, when people hear the name, a lot of people think, are you just for farmers? I know the first time I actually heard about it, it was funny. I thought it was just for farmers. They're actually not at all. Their mission is to support rural America, and that can include just about anything that involves the purchase of land. So a lot of their customers are those that just want a piece of property outside of town that they can live on. So it doesn't matter who you are. You do not have to be a farmer. Just anyone who wants land in a rural area, wants to build a house in a rural area, Ag South Farm Credit's for you. For more questions about what AgSouth Farm Credit can do, call 844-AG-South or visit their website, agsouthfc.com slash T-S-U-S. And again, that's agsouthf tsus slash T-S-U-S. AgSouth and Equal Housing Lender, NMLS 619-788. So again, that's agsouthfc.com slash T-S-U-S or give them a call, 844-AG-South and tell them Chris from the Spurs hey, Up Show sent you. All right, let's get How into it. Here. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show, as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone, um, everyone that is listening. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Uh, I know you're probably sitting around right now eating some turkey, enjoying some stuffing or dressing, whatever you call it. Uh, enjoying some Thanksgiving food, some football, some family time. The, big, uh, the three big S food, family, football. I know I am as well. Really, really do appreciate you guys tuning in, though, because it is still Carolina Clemson week. Going to preview the game in its entirety on this show. But again, Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Truly, truly do appreciate you tuning in on this Thanksgiving holiday. Um, really appreciate you guys. Uh, before we get into everything, a couple housekeeping, I- housekeeping items as always. If you have not done so, rate, subscribe, leave five stars for the Spurs Up show. Tell me what you like, you don't like. Leave your thoughts, your comments, your feedback on whatever platform you're listening on. Really do appreciate that. Um, and also, hit the subscribe button. If you had not already done so, you get notifications when the daily podcast drop. Hit that subscribe button. I meant to say, by the way, Thanksgiving, we should all talk about what we're thankful for. I'm thankful for you guys. I am thankful for you guys, not to get too sentimental, but I'm thankful for everyone that has cho- chosen to tune in, support the Spurs Up show. I truly do appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. A um, couple other things really quickly. I talked about this on the other day. The other day, um, We're going to be doing this through the holiday season. Bobby Haney. I've teamed up with Bobby Haney. We're trying to sell some of his books from Kings Park to Omaha. Fantastic book. Great stocking stuff for guys. Really details Bobby's life all the way coming from New York to coming up through, you know, uh, little league baseball and kind of his baseball career and then getting to South Carolina, winning the college world series, professional baseball. It's a great read. If you're a Gamecock fan, especially if you're a diehard Gamecock baseball fan, which I feel like most of you probably are. But if you're a Gamecock fan, this is a great stocking stuffer. If you're interested in buying the book, it's only eleven ninety nine. um, email Bobby Haney, 23 at gmail.com. The book will actually come signed as well. Um, so a great deal, and again, a great stocking stuff for just 11 99 If you're interested, again, that's from Kings Park to Omaha. Email bobbyhaney23 at gmail.com. Also be on the lookout, YouTube Live, going live on YouTube, Q&A Friday afternoon. Not Again, I will tell you guys the time when I have it 100% locked down, kind of a crazy weekend with Thanksgiving and the holidays and being in town with the family, stuff like that. But. Friday, for sure, at some point, YouTube Live Q&A, uh, Q&A before Carolina Clemson should be a lot of fun. Also, stickers, got the new batch of stickers in. So for those of you that are still waiting on stickers, those are being sent out this week. You will be getting those. Also, if you're going to be at Carolina Clemson, let me know. Uh, shoot us a DM, shoot me a DM, whatever. I'll be walking around the tailgates with the stickers. If you just want to meet up and get them there, let me know. But I've got more stickers on deck. Just wanted to let everyone know that was waiting on those who, or who was interested in getting a sticker, I got a new batch on me. So it um, should be a lot of fun. All right, let's get into it. Carolina-Clemson, the rivalry. We all wait all year long for this game. It's the game that's talked about 365 days a year, and it is finally here. South Carolina taking on the Clemson Tigers. A noon kick Saturday at Williams-Brice Stadium. The opening line for this one. Carolina Clemson Clemson opens as a 24 and a half point favorite. that line has since shifted to Clemson being a 27 point favorite over under set at 51 I talked about on yesterday's show my best bet for it, I thought was over 51 but the opening line we knew the line was going to be big and it did not uh I don't think it was a surprise to anybody how big it is Clemson nearly a four touchdown favorite in this ball game um Series history, Clemson leads 70-42-4, as we're all familiar with. Last time they met, Clemson won last year 56-35 to in the game we all remember for Jake Bentley throwing for over 500 yards. But either way, Clemson gets the win 56-35 to make it five straight in the series. As far as the injury reports is concerned, Brian Edwards is questionable for this game. Um, still up in the air. I'm sure it will probably be a game-time decision whether he can go or not. Kobe Smith, according to Coach Muschamp, has an ankle, so I would say he's probably out. But it sounds like everybody else should be good to go. Rico Dowdle, Tavian Feaster, A.J. Turner even, or Trey Smith. It sounds like everyone else is good to go here. So, you know, Will Muschamp said on his call-in show on Tuesday night that the Gamecocks were as healthy as they've been. So we'll see what happens. Don't hold your breath. You never know. We'll probably hear about an injury on game day. But South Carolina, it sounds like they're healthy. I mean, Brian Edwards would obviously be a huge loss. Will Muschamp saying, again, on his Tuesday presser and Tuesday night call and show that Brian Edwards is not going to sit out. So, for those people that think he's going to sit out for the draft, at least that's what he's telling us. Um, I, for one, am, I don't know if Brian Edwards will play or not. I, I really think it's going to be a game-time, last-minute decision, but uh, we will see. Um, Clemson obviously led by head coach Dabo Sweeney undefeated right now in ranked number three in the college football playoff rankings. They're obviously going for their – Third national title in the last couple of years. So Clemson obviously got it rolling right now. Very good football team. Um, very, very good football team. Going to be a tall task for South Carolina. Let's get into the top storylines for this game. I just talked about him, but I think one of the biggest storylines in this game sticking with South Carolina is the health of Brian Edwards, a guy who has set every receiving record at South Carolina. Just a cut, I think just what one touchdown away from tying the record, two touchdowns from setting it, um, as far as the overall touchdowns record is concerned. But what is the health of Brian Edwards? Because This is already going to be a tall enough task to ask of the Gamecocks, Again, you're a 27-point underdog for a reason. Um, You need all the playmakers you can get, and you need all your guys ready to go. Brian Edwards is one of those guys, one of the top receivers in the SEC. Again, a record-setting receiver. What is his health going to be? And if he does play, what is his health going to be like? I mean, I I really don't know how much you can ask of him. I mean, just to have him out there, though, I mean, a 75 – or a 70% healthy Brian Edwards is better than 100% healthy somebody else, really, especially with you look down the Gamecocks roster and some of these receivers, you know, they need him out there. Um, Obviously, you have Shai Smith going, which is great, but but to have Brian Edwards, the other guy out there, to have that complement of those two would be big time, especially for Ryan Holinsky. I mean, again, Clemson's got a really, really good defense. It's already going to be a tall task to ask for Ryan Holinsky to go out there and do, you know, even replicate what Jake Bentley did a year ago or You know, to have any type of a solid day, you're going to need all your playmakers. So, what is the health of Brian Edwards? Do we see him out there on the field again? I don't think he's sitting to preserve his NFL future. I mean, if he did, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't necessarily think I would blame him. But you know, Brian, being a kid from the state of South Carolina, you know, as much pride as he has being a Gamecock, I would be very, very shocked. I'd almost be surprised if he did not play. If he did not try to battle through the injury, whatever the you know specific injury is. But we'll just have to wait and see. If he can't go, he can't go. So, what is the health of Brian Edwards, you know, if he can't go? And then if he can, again, how healthy is he? How much can he really help South Carolina when he's on the field? That's going to be a big question mark. Um, Another big storyline. I know everyone's talking about this. Tavian Feaster going up against his old team. Obviously, Feaster played for Clemson, transferred to South Carolina over the offseason. was obviously one of the biggest talking points of the preseason, really, Um I'm sure the reception will be warm. You know, obviously, I, mean, I think he left on good terms there. It seems like he had really good relationships with everybody there. But uh, how does Tavian Feaster perform against his whole team? You know, Feaster finally healthy. It kind of felt like he was sitting out to be 110% for this game. Um, or maybe it just lined up that way. But what can Tavian Feaster do? You know, what is it what a storyline I guess it would be if he had a really, really big game against his former team. You know, he obviously left to get more carries and be the guy and, you know, be get more exposure because obviously he's trying to get to the next level and play in the NFL he knew he was going to be Travis Etienne's backup and obviously I I know one for me I I think everybody else probably expected Tavian Feaster to be the premier back Rico Dowdle obviously had other plans but what type of game can Feaster have against his old bunch I think it's a cool storyline to follow if he can go out there again and have a big game and I don't want to say stick it to him. I don't, I don't know if that's what the relationship is like, or maybe if that's how he feels, I'm sure there's a, you know, he's got that competitive spirit. I, you know, he talked about this rivalry this week and just how intense it is. And he said, you know, the the decision for him to leave was all business. I mean, he's trying to get exposure to go to the NFL and, um, you know, I think he's gotten that fair amount, but it would really help him obviously have a big game against Clemson because there'll be national eyes watching that game. But again, Tavian Feaster against his old team, something really fun to follow. Um, Another storyline, just the last game for this group of seniors. You know, Will Muschamp's first-ever recruiting class. You're talking about guys like Jake Bentley, T.J. Brunson, Brian Edwards, um, you know, tons of other – you know, Javon Kinlaw, D.J. Wanham, um, you know, just a ton of guys. The list goes on and on the last game for that group of seniors, you know, what type of note do they go out on? You know, Rico, Rico Dowdle, another one, you know, Rico Dowdle talked about, you know, he said this week, and I think he made a great point in his availability that there's uh, media availability that, you know, when you leave South Carolina, they're going to ask you how many times did you beat Clemson? And obviously this group is beating them zero. So can they change that? You know, what, what does, what type of performance do we get out of Will Muschamp seniors? His, you know, obviously you fell flat on senior night against Appalachian State. Do you come out with that same lackadaisical approach and feel like, oh, woe is me, we don't have a chance? Or do we see a fiery group, a group that's intense and competing and you know gives Clemson hell over four quarters? I mean, what, what type of effort and intensity do we see from that group of seniors especially? So um, crazy, though. I mean, it's crazy to think these guys – I mean, it feels like four years has flown by again. I mean, you, we all remember I, – I remember vividly when Jake, Rico, Brian – we're freshmen. I mean, we're freshmen in 2016, and now, you know, these guys are on their last game ever that they'll put on the Garnet and Black. It, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, another storyline, simply put, is this the year that the streak is finally snapped? I mean, this has been kind of the year of the streak for whatever reason. Gamecocks snapped a losing streak to Georgia. I talked about this a couple of shows ago or a couple of weeks ago, I think. They snapped a losing streak to Georgia. Their winning streaks have been snapped. Their losing streaks have been snapped. Do we have one more in us? Is there another streak to be snapped against the Clemson Tigers? Again, to Clemson going for their sixth straight win over South Carolina. Can the Gamecocks find a way to steal one, to pull a massive, massive upset, similar to what they did in Athens, and snap this streak and stop the bleeding in this series, turn this rivalry around? Um, you know, not likely. Impro- it's, it's not probable, but – Like I said, is this the year? Is this the year it finally happens? We'll have to see. Kind of what I just mentioned, actually, another storyline to me. And I talked about this earlier in the week on the podcast. But, you know, as little chance as there is in this game, as, as improbable as it is, South Carolina's been here before. They've done it already this season. Granted, I think Clemson's a better team than Georgia. I really do. But the Gamecocks have gone on the road as a three, three-and-a-half-plus touchdown underdog and won. They've gone on the road and done it. So, you know, if there's anything, if there's any silver lining, if there's any positivity you're trying to draw as a South Carolina fan or even if you're a player in that locker room or a coach, it's like, hey, guys, we have done this before. We've done it. We went on the road to Athens and we beat a top-three team. Clemson right now sitting third in the country. You get him in your house. I mean, you have done it. it the proof is there. Can South Carolina find any of that magic they had in Athens whatsoever? Can they somehow bottle that up and bring it out there on Saturday? Again, I think it's a much different task. I think Clemson's a much better team than Georgia in regards to they're much more explosive. You know, Georgia has their problems at the receiver position. Clemson, on the other hand, has a plethora of guys who can make big plays. Their defense is phenomenal. They have a great running back, a a generational-type quarterback. Um but, I mean, can South Carolina maybe pull something from that? Can they, can they pull something from that and say to themselves that they believe they can get the win over Clemson? I mean, that, that's – you know, maybe they can. Maybe there's some magic left. Who knows? But, uh, I don't know. I think that would be something interesting to see. I think we're going to early on in this this game though, if that's even a possibility. Um, another storyline that's sort of off the wall and just something I've picked up from on social media and just looking online at ticket sales is the williams Bryce takeover. Um, unfortunately it is a storyline in my, in my opinion, at least, you know, I've been imploring all week Again, you can do whatever you want with your tickets. You don't have to, you know, whatever people do with their own money is not any of my business nor do I care like whatever you do is what you do. I don't judge people just do whatever. But I I mean, I was there in 2015. I was in the East upper when it was completely orange and it looked, it looked horrible on TV. And are we looking at something similar again here in 2019? Um, because there are a lot of tickets on sale. I mean, literally, I'm recording this Wednesday afternoon. The tickets have dropped. I saw them on SeatGeek right now. $58 for a Carolina Clemson ticket. I mean, there are people, I feel like we get to Saturday, there are going to be people trying to give them away. I mean, it's so many South Carolina fans trying to sell their tickets. You know, do we see a Williams Rice takeover? I mean, I know it's not really a storyline that necessarily relates to the game on the field, but just in the grand scheme of things, like – Are Gamecock fans going to show up, be loud and proud, and try to will their team to, you know, maybe not even a victory, just a close game, or is this going to be like a Clemson home game? Um, I'll be in the stadium. I'll be in the stands. So I'm going to be – I'm going to get, you know, experience it firsthand. But, uh, you know, I'll just be interested to see kind of what the turnout is from Gamecock fans on Saturday. Um, Another storyline for me, the offense. Can this offense – muster enough to even compete in this game you've been so bad of late or you think of it can they even possibly repeat or pull pieces of what was done last year obviously the Gamecocks you know you lose by three touchdowns there are no moral victories South Carolina got beat it was never a close game um but I mean you threw for 500 yards there were obviously things you can pull from that game and say what did you do against Brent Venable's defense last year that you could maybe take and put into this year granted you had Debo Samuel a year ago which makes a big difference but you know Can the offense, this offense, can it pull anything from what you did last year and have any success on Saturday? And can it have any success on Saturday at all, either way? Because this is an offense that's been terrible the last two games. Awful. You score 15 against Appalachian State, and you score, what was it, seven against Texas A&M, or six? Six. You score six against Texas A&M. I mean, does this offense even get the double digits? You know, it's funny. I I had a score prediction, which I'm going to save for the Friday show, but a lot of people are asking, how are we, we going to hit X amount of points? How are we going to hit – how are we going to score two touchdowns? How are we going to score 10 or more points in this game? I mean, the Gamecocks offense, simply put, if you were to pull the massive upset in this one, if you were to pull the upset like you did in Georgia, you're not going to win it like you did in Georgia 20-17. You're going to have to score 24, 30, 35 points. I, you just, there's no way – you're going to beat Clemson 20 to 17 unless this defense has one of the most miraculous games that I've ever seen. Um, So what is the offensive game plan like too? Because at this point, it's pretty much set in stone that Brian McClendon is no longer going to be the OC after the season is over. And I don't know if there's anything Brian McClendon could really do to, to change that. Like, I think Gamecock fans have pretty much put him in his coffin. That's pretty much it. You're done. Doesn't matter what happens. There've got to be wholesale changes. You know, a lot of people want Muschamp gone. But if he's going to stay, there's got to be wholesale changes with the offensive side of the football. So what is the offensive game plan? I mean, there's just no way that Brian McClendon can come out in this game and be conservative. There's just no way. There's just no way you can do that. So what is the offensive game plan? Do we see South Carolina taking shots down the field? Obviously, you want to try to run the football. you got to establish the run somewhat. But do we see a more aggressive team? Do we see more Dak Joiner? Do we see more trickeration, different formations? You know, there are things you – it's late in the season. You know, Clemson's got film on South Carolina, period. South Carolina's got film on Clemson. But there are things you can change up formation-wise. You can get – you know, you can throw in some trick plays, whatever it may be. But simply put, can this offense do anything? I mean, can this offense do anything? to make this game even slightly competitive. Because if this offense can't score, it's going to be a very, very long day. Um, On the other side of the ball, my last storyline before moving the key matchups and the keys of the game, is there any way for South Carolina, like what is going to be the recipe to stop this Clemson offense? Because Clemson, like I said, they have weapons all over. You start with Trevor Lawrence, one of the best quarterbacks in the country, if not the best. Running back Travis Etienne, a dude who's a freak. Um, They're receivers. You go down the line. T. Higgins, Justin Ross, Amari Rodgers. I mean, they've got weapons all over the place. They've got weapons all over the place. So can this Gamecock? Can this Gamecock's defense? While I don't, you're not going to stop Clemson offense totally. You're not. You just. You're not going to pitch a shutout. It's not going to. Like I said, it's not going to be a twenty to seventeen game. Can South Carolina though bend but don't break? Can they hold on just enough to give South Carolina a chance in this football game? Can they do it? It'd be very interesting to see. I mean, they're going to have to. They're going to have to. But again, talking about game plans, what's the defensive game plan? Is South Carolina blitzing every play? Are they playing more conservative? Do they sell on the run? Do they sell on the pass? Do they put Israel and J.C. Horn on islands against those great great wide receivers? What do they do? I mean, what is the game plan? What type of game plan do Will Muschamp and T-Rob and that crew draw up? And what is the right game plan? I mean, I don't really know. That's answers they need to have. But – there's so many weapons on this Clemson offense. It is really, it truly is pick your poison. It truly is pick your poison. Um, all right, going to talk about key matchups. Before we do, guys, again, it is Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. I want to talk to my friends over at my bookie, guys. This week, today, literally today, my offering a risk-free bet on the Bears Lions game, guys. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to two hundred fifty dollars, and if you win. Congrats, you've got extra holiday spending money, Christmas money, Black Friday money, Cyber Monday money. Hey, you've got extra money to spend in the Spurs Up Show store, why don't you, huh? Why not? Um, if you lose, congrats to you as well. My MyBookie's gonna give you all your money back, guys. It is a no-brainer, because you literally... Cannot lose. It's no risk, all gravy. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. My bookie welcomes all to come play. So quit waiting around and sign up today, guys. you ever find yourself watching, whether it be the NFL, college basketball, uh, college football, whatever sporting event it may be, but you-, you thought to yourself, you know, I could win some money betting on this. Like I know who's going to win. I'm good with the spreads. I'm good with the over/under, or I just want to gamble on it, make the games interesting. But you don't know how to get started, or maybe you've only gambled with a local bookie. You don't know how to really Open an account on a website or you just have questions in general about how the process works, do not sweat it. MyBookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the process. And the best part is if you join this Thanksgiving week, you'll still have one last shot to take advantage of their incredible sign-up offer. Just log on to mybookie.ag. Again, that's mybookie.ag, and make your first deposit with promo code GAMECOX. And my bookie's is going to match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. And that's on top of the risk free bet, guys. Let me repeat that is a guaranteed deposit match for that $250 and a risk free bet for Thanksgiving only. So if you're a true football fan, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply cannot lose. Make sure to do your part to support your team this season. Hop on the gravy train and get in on the action with my bookie. And remember, guys, with my bookie, you play, you win, you get. All right, let's talk key matchups to watch in this one because, you know, I'll be honest with you, it was hard to come up with three because <laughs> there's going to be a lot of matchups that South Carolina needs to win or at least hold their own in all over the field because I think, you know, listen, we can all admit this this game does not set up well for South Carolina in regards to just overall matchups. But again, I, these are the three that I narrowed it down to that I think will be pivotal that South Carolina has to win on Saturday, has to win to have any chance in this football game. I'm going to start... On the defensive front, defensive lineman Javon Kinlaw against running back Travis Etienne. Simply put, South Carolina has absolutely no chance if it allows Travis Etienne to run all over them. Etienne, another phenomenal year, 1,335 rushing yards, 14 touchdowns, 8.7 yards per carry. Guy is electric when he touches the football. Will Muschamp mentioned this earlier in his press conference on Tuesday. South Carolina has not done a good job against Clemson stopping the run, period. Point blank. They have not done a good job. They were terrible against it last year. I mean, the Gamecocks, for everything you could say they did offensively, they were terrible defensively. I know there were a lot of injuries, but either way, call a spade a spade. They were terrible defensively. They couldn't stop the run. And you have absolutely no chance to win this football game or I think even keep this game close if you cannot slow down the run. Again, like I said, Clemson's going to get theirs. But if ETN's averaging 8.7 a carry, he needs to average average 3.7 on Saturday. Hell, even 4.7. He can't average over five, though. He can't average over six. You have no chance in that. Javon Kinlaw, a guy that – listen, I thought he got called out in the Texas a game. I-, I thought Jordan Rodgers sort of called him out and has said something that I've said before and I said in the preseason a lot about Javon. Listen, Javon's had a good year. Javon's a really good player. He's made himself a lot of money this year. He's going to go on to play in the NFL and do a lot of great things. But he is a guy that at times just disappears, just falls off the face of the earth. You're like, where's Javon Kinlaw? I feel like he hasn't made a play in two games. The type of game he had against Georgia, where he was in the backfield, being a disruptor, stopping the run, getting in Jake Fromm's face, he's going to have to have that same type of game on Saturday. Javon Kinlaw has got to be the star for South Carolina in the line of scrimmage and be blowing up run plays, stopping ETN, obviously getting in Trevor Lawrence's face, but sticking specifically to the run. Javon Kenlaw's just got to be that guy in the run game. He's got to be that run stopper. You know, calls penetration. We saw him do it in the Alabama game as well. You know, he needs to have that type of game. You know, it's his time to shine, a national spotlight. He's got to have that game on Saturday for South Carolina to have any chance, for them to have any chance to stop the run. All right, my second key matchup, wide receiver Shy Smith against safety Kavon Wallace. Kavon Wallace, two interceptions this year, but the reason I bring up Kavon Wallace is because he was a guy last year that got burnt, got burnt by Debo Samuel on multiple occasions this guy got embarrassed I mean I, I'm I i do not think Clemson's safeties are very good I don't think Tanner Muse is very good either he got embarrassed a couple times last year as well but either way that's why I bring him up in this matchup because shy Smith to me needs to be that big play threat for South Carolina again you don't have Debo Samuel this year you don't have him to receive you know have 200 receiving yards which is what Debo Samuel did a year ago shy Smith's got to be that guy especially if Brian's out. It's all on Shy Smith or nothing. So, Shy Smith's got to be that guy. He's got to be your big play threat because, again, South Carolina has got to be conservative in this game. They've got to throw the football down the field. They cannot settle for just, you know, run, run, five-yard pass. You're going to have to stretch the field, and Shy Smith's going to have to be that guy. Again, can you pull something from what you did last year with Debo and apply it to Shy Smith and get him open, get him one-on-one with a guy like Kayvon Wallace and let Shy Smith use his speed? Um, they're going to have to at least try that. They're going to have to to stretch the field and open up, the, uh, open up the, uh, the playbook and open up the Clemson defense, if you will. Uh, my last key matchup to watch here, and, again, I talked about him a little bit earlier, I think he's a guy – I know he's a guy that everyone's going to have their eyes on on Saturday, and that is running back Tavian Feaster against linebacker Isaiah Simmons, Jr. Uh, Simmons, a really, really good player, one of the best linebackers in the country, second leading tackler on their team with 74 tackles. He leads the team with 12 tackles for loss, uh, which is just a beast number. Um, you know, obviously, Feaster, again, coming back after the injury. We all, I talked about the storyline facing his old team. Feaster, a guy who is really dynamic, really dynamic on multiple levels. He can run the football. He can make guys miss. He's a speed burner. He catches it well out of the backfield. He's a guy that needs to have a big game for USC to have a chance in this football game. You know, I, I, you talk about it in almost every game. The key to the game is stop the run and run the football. This one even more so. South Carolina is going to have to have a guy like Tavian Feaster, get them, you know, Bob and Weed, get them a couple yards, get them in good positions on first down. You know, again, his ability to catch the football out of the backfield is going to be big. And a guy like Isaiah Simmons is a guy he's going to have to beat one-on-one. Um, I know it's going to be a tall task, and Simmons one of the best in the country. But Tavian Feaster is going to have to get going because you cannot – it's just – you cannot ask Ryan Linsky to throw the ball 50 times. You just, you just cannot do it. You cannot do it. It will not work. It will not work. So I like Tavian Feaster in this game. Again, he's a guy that does many things well. Um, and, I, again, the storyline going into it as well I think is really interesting and plays a big part in it. But uh, what type of impact does Feaster have? Because he needs to have a big impact for Southcon to have any chance in this football game. Um, all right, let's get to the keys to the game. My three keys to the game. First key, throw the kitchen sink at him. Simply put. I mean, you have – I think I've said this the last three weeks, but you have nothing to lose. This is your bowl game. This, this is your game. This is your Super Bowl. This is it. We all know, and I talked to Langston Moore about this. You're going to hear in the interview. I've talked with other Gamecock players, and i talked to Gamecock fans. We all know this game is different than any other game. If South Carolina could find a way to win this game, it doesn't, maybe it doesn't erase everything that happened, but it masks everything that happened in the 2019 season. And That's just how the Carolina-Clemson game is. These, these fan bases, you can go 1-11, and if you beat that other team, the season was a success. To some degree, like that's really how it is. So you have nothing to lose. Throw the kitchen sink at them. I think you've got to play aggressive on offense, defense, special teams, blitz, trick plays, everything. I mean, leave nothing. This is your last game of the season. Throw the kitchen sink at them. Seriously, throw the kitchen. Do everything. I mean, I don't. I, I don't care. I don't think anything is all out of the question. You cannot be conservative and even have a chance in this football game. You cannot be conservative and even compete in this game. So. Throw everything you got at them. Uh, My second key to the game. South Carolina turnover margin in these type of games is such a big deal. It's such a big deal. You know, we saw that in Athens against Georgia. Israel McCombo, three picks. I mean, one of those is for a touchdown. The only chance that South Carolina has in this game to win or make it a fourth quarter game or whatever you want to say, the only chance South Carolina has in this football game I think they have to be plus three or greater in the turnover margin. They have to. They have to. So that means while you're being aggressive, you've got to find a way to protect the football and offense and be smart with it. And you've got to find a way to rattle Trevor Lawrence, get in his face. He's a guy that early in the season you saw through a lot of interceptions. He will throw it up. He will throw it up, these receivers. I don't blame him for doing so. they got great receivers. But he's a guy that will throw it up. Can you maybe snag a couple of those? Is there a guy on that defense that will have an Israel Mokwamu-like performance, similar to what he did against Georgia? But you're going to have to be plus three or greater in the turnover margin, in my opinion. Turnover margin, when you're a team that you're, not, you're taking on a team that's a lot better than you, turnovers will even out the score. So the Gamecocks have got to find a way to get the ball off of Clemson. And I, Again, I think plus three or greater is the number they've got to hit. Um, my last key to the game here. When the defensive line of scrimmage, the defensive line of scrimmage specifically to me is going to be so, so, so important, so important. You can't let Travis Etienne run all over you all game. You've got to be in Trevor Lawrence's face constantly because, again, it kind of goes back to the turnover margin. Um, I talked about this earlier, on the, or earlier in the week on the podcast with Alex McGrath, and he agreed with me and basically said you're going to have to get constant pressure on Trevor Lawrence. He will throw the football up. He will throw the football in some tight windows. You're, but you, there's just no way you're going to win if you cannot get pressure, if you cannot get penetration. You have no chance. I mean, Trevor Lawrence will sit back there, pick you apart all day long, Travis ETM will run, run for seven or eight a carry, and this game will be over by halftime. I mean, that, that's just plain and simple. This game will be over by halftime. So you, you've got to find a way. They've got to find a way to whether it's bringing seven or eight. I mean, whether you're going to bring the house, whether you're going to do some exotic blitzes, whatever you're going to do, you've got to find a way to penetrate the line of scrimmage and get back there and get in Trevor Lawrence's face and stop the run. You just have to. You just have to. So, again, my three keys to the game. Throw the kitchen sink at them, plus three in the turnover margin, and win the defensive line of scrimmage. So – should be a lot of fun. I'll be in the building again if you guys are there. Holler at me. would love to come by the tailgate. You know, should be a fun day either way. Obviously, Carolina Clemson's a really special game for all of us, and the rivalry is something really, really special. i very, very excited to be there. This will actually be my first Carolina Clemson game in person. Since 2015, I went up to Clemson in 2016. Obviously, there I was not doing the Spurs Up show or anything. There was nothing. I was just going as a fan, and my brother went to Clemson. So I didn't go in the game, but I went up there and hung out with him and watched it, but, so I didn't go in. 2017, I was out of town and last year had a live show at Flight in Charlotte um, or at a bar in Charlotte, so was not there either. So this is my first Carolina Clemson game back in the stadium since 2015. So should be a lot of fun. Um, should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. All right, let's get in your listener questions and voicemails. Got a couple of voicemails to get to. Obviously, a ton of listener questions ahead of Carolina Clemson week, but uh, let's go ahead and dive in. start with my buddy, Dale from Edgefield. Can't wait to hear this. Let's get it going. Chris, buddy, is Dale
2: from Edgefield. I'm calling in. I'm ready to set the stage for Saturday afternoon in South Carolina. Under a Palmetto sky, the cops with the Tigers in town are going to shock the world. And I just, I don't know why, but I've, I've got chills right now thinking about it. I think, uh. I think that after a tumultuous week this week, that the team will rally behind Coach Boone and play hard. And I, I think that potentially Clemson could be looking ahead. And uh, there would be nothing that makes me happier than sending them 11 and one to Charlotte uh, next week with no hopes for the playoffs anymore. But I saw your tweet. Wanted to share uh, my favorite memories of the rivalry. Uh, two different airs, really, that I'm gonna say. Uh, I was at the game in 92 when Tanny Hill signed to Paul. And uh, I was also in Williams Price for the highest ranked meeting, which was five in a row when the Tigers and Todd Boyd was shit all down his britches from Jadavian Clowney chasing him around all night. I'm I just telling you, he was scared to death. And uh, I really, uh, I'm excited, man. I think that we have a chance to have a. Historic upset Saturday in Williams Price and uh I look forward to being there. That's uh, that's my last surprise. I know I told everybody that I wasn't I wasn't coming. Well damn it, I wouldn't miss it for the world. Spurs <laughs> up, go cock, baby.
1: Dale, appreciate the call, man. As always, the voicemails are always legendary, and I gotta say that voicemail right there is that is the epitome of a GameCock fan right there. That, that is. If you want to know what a Gamecock fan is, they call in after Texas a and They get down. We get down. We get depressed. But you know what, damn it, a couple days go by, however long it takes. We heal up, and we're just eternal optimists. And for whatever reason, we show up. We show out, even though history tells us we shouldn't. And that voicemail right there literally says it all. Dale, appreciate the call, man. Awesome stuff. Awesome, awesome stuff! Can't wait to see you there. By the way, shoot me a DM. Would love to meet up for the game or after the game or wherever you're going to be. But uh, awesome stuff, man. That I got, I got chills. You gave, you gave me goosebumps. So I appreciate that. All right, got one more voicemail, and then we'll get into these listener questions.
3: Okay. Good evening. Hey, this is Steve Furnish. Uh, beat those fucking Tigers in '75, 56 to 20. Jeff Grant's. Wanted to score a hundred points on those assholes. A uh, fabulous game as a freshman. I didn't have any idea how much we should hate Clemson, but I do now and I have the rest of my life. My senior year, we beat them 13-9 to 9 in Columbia. And I've always asked Jim Scottie and those other assholes, what time is it? They didn't know if it's 13-9. to 9. Uh, One of the greatest games ever. Goal line stand or actually a fourth of inches. I have a picture of that. Fabulous time. Um, go, Cox. You never know in a game like this what's going to happen. So uh, if you want to talk to me, 214 707 8223. I'm a game cock at heart. Rest of my life. Go, Cox. See you then. Bye.
1: All right, Steve. Appreciate it, man. Really do appreciate the voicemail. Yeah, those were uh, obviously I wasn't alive then, but the Jeff Grants days, the 56 to 20 game, obviously one I think the, was the most points scored by a South Carolina team in the rivalry. So uh, obviously I know that one That one is one that is uh, very fun to Gamecock fans everywhere. So all right, let's get into these listener questions. Going to pull these up really quickly. Um, All right, let's start with Jonathan Marcus. If Clemson beats us like a yard dog, will Muschamp be fired? Um, You know, that is one thing that I think is really interesting about this game. You know, if that does happen, because it certainly could. I mean, if that that does happen, what is – sort of the backlash if the score gets really, really, really out of hand. Um, I, I think that'll be something interesting to keep an eye on. And, Jonathan, I think you you have a point. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if he will. I mean, what, what's, what's the number that gets him fired? It gets those conversations back up and rolling. Um, I don't know. Uh, Venom SZZ, how many yards will Tavian put up? Right now I would probably say um, – Probably 65. I don't, I don't think he hits 100 himself for sure either way. I think 65, though. And that's on just on the ground. That's just on the ground. Katie underscore R underscore 018. Do we have any chance to beat Clemson? Did we have any chance to beat Georgia? So, I mean, that's, that's kind of the same thing. Um, JK Gill 34. Where do you think Bentley transfers to, and will he have a better next year than Carolina? Um, let me just put you this way. I've heard some rumors. I will say I think it will probably be somewhere in the ACC, believe it or not. And will he have a better next Will he have a, his next year be better than Carolina wherever he goes? I mean, I, I have no idea. It depends on what school he goes to, but uh, you know, I mean, you never know. So we will see. Um, last question underscore Christopher underscore Morton underscore Clemson by 90. Come on, man. No bueno. All right, that's going to do it for the listener questions. Appreciate you guys. I know you guys are probably asking, where's your prediction for the Carolina Clemson game? Friday's show. Tune into Friday's show. I will have my official prediction for South Carolina and Clemson. All right, got a fantastic interview for you guys. Former Gamecocks defensive lineman Langston Moore. We had Langston on the show last year, actually, before the 2018 season. So it has been a while, but uh, have a great conversation with Langston. We talk about the Carolina-Clemson rivalry, his memories from it. Um, You know, he's also the co-author of the Just a Chicken children's book. So we talk a little bit about that. And also his new podcast series, which actually drops today, The Fight, Um, I think I said on the interview that it dropped Friday. It drops Thursday today. So ignore that. But, uh, no, the fight, you know, profiling, it's actually interviews with former Gamecocks, you know, Gamecocks that were in that, the fight, the 2004 fight, the brawl between Clemson and Carolina, really, really cool stuff. Um, I'm very excited to tune into it myself, but, uh, be sure to check that out. Really fantastic interview. I know you guys are going to enjoy, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Guys, I implore you again, you can do what you want with your money. If you don't want to go, that is completely fine. But if you do want to go, there are tickets for cheap and they are on SeatGeek. Like I said, I checked before we, I literally started recording. I checked. There are tickets online right now for $58, which that price in itself, and that's with the fees, that price in itself is stupid cheap. I'm giving you The key right now to save $20. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP and you're going to get $20 off your first purchase. Guys, it's a no-brainer. SeatGeek is the best ticket buying app by far. The only ticket buying app I use. The only one that I would recommend. They've got a great ticket rating system for you, which rates the tickets based on the type of deal you're getting. So you're never going to have to worry If you're getting ripped off, like, am I paying too much? No, you're always going to have that peace of mind when you click the buy button. You're always going to know, hey, I'm getting the best bang for my buck. SeatGeek makes the ticket buying process. They just make it super simple. I mean, they do all the work for you in that regard. They make sure you're going to have the best seat. And they also have tickets to everything. If it's not South Carolina Clemson, if you want to go to a Gamecocks basketball game, South Carolina basketball has a home game on Sunday against George Washington. You can go to that. You can go to NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, concerts, comedy club events. Anything that you can buy tickets to, SeatGeek has got your tickets. So, again, that's our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to seatgeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, S P R S U P, to save $20 off your first purchase. All right, enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks defensive lineman Langston Moore. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks football from 1999 to 2002. He also served as, as the sideline reporter for South Carolina from 2012 to 2018. He's the co-author of the Just a Chicken children's book with former Gamecock Preston Thorne. He's done a great a lot of great work across the state of South Carolina as well on their book tours, going from different schools, educating children on how to read, reading the Just a Chicken children's book. He's also the creator of the Fight Podcast, which drops this Friday regarding the Carolina Clemson fight, the brawl in 2000. Which we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show. Very pleased to welcome back onto the show. It's been a while. Former Gamecocks football player, Langston Moore. Langston, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, I'm glad to be on here, man. All these illustrious guests coming on. You done had Sean Smith and all these <laughs> other guys, man. And it's always it's always great to see all those interviews, man. It's really
1: good. Yeah, yeah, a couple, of, definitely a couple of your teammates. It's been uh, obviously those are always fun conversations. But uh, you know, I want this conversation. Obviously, like I said, we had you on last year, Langston, and we you know really focused on your career and kind of previewing the 2018 season but this one I really obviously it's South Carolina Clemson week we all know what this week means and we were just talking off air that while it's been a tough season for South Carolina as you know as well as anyone if you win this game it sort of erases everything that happened in the 10 or 11 games prior but let's talk about you first because again you know you played for South Carolina you actually wore the garnet in black you played in these games um you know, and you were able to beat those guys once in 2001 at Williams-Brice Stadium. Just talk about your memories from the Carolina and Clemson game. And, you know, we know what the rivalry is like from the fans' perspective, but what is it like actually being in the trenches, being in the middle of those battles?
4: In uh, the trenches is a lot of familiarity. And this is the thing about this rivalry, obviously, it being an in-state deal with two, not just two teams, but two teams in – power five conferences two teams and bigger conferences two teams that have a lot of familiarity and obviously this goes way way back over 100 something years so there's tons and tons of history um but also tons and tons of familiarity and that's what also makes this this rivalry a little bit more because uh, uh, you know we always talk about and it's one of the things we cover in our podcast about the fight is you know you'll watch maybe these guys the whole year or they might watch us the whole year but when we play them uh, it's a totally different team because the energy, the the, the familiarity, um, guys is find some way to get a little bit more motivated. And that's why it's always like, man, that, that guy wasn't running that hard two weeks ago against Vanderbilt or North Carolina State. Now he's, he's making plays out of this world. So that's the thing about this rivalry, the emotion, how close and interconnected it is. But also you can't escape it because, you know, for some folks, I live out in Texas when I'm not here, um, Texas, Oklahoma, you know what I'm saying? You know you can you got mm-hmm. some geography that separates some people, but here, you know you're gonna see maybe your pastor or somebody else they're gonna have some orange socks on or somebody's gonna have some garnet uh, a garnet little lapel or something like that, and you always kind of know which side of the fence everybody's on. Uh, but obviously the rivalry is a lot better and has been really really good when both teams are really really good, and that's one thing you know somewhat during my playing experience, but this is what I really got to experience my time being around it with Coach Holt, Coach uh, Spurrier as the sideline reporter, just seeing the differences in how that game was approached. Um, and just, again, the, all the familiarity, and, and there's really no hiding because at the end of the year, uh, everybody is who they are football-wise, but also on top of that, you know, recruiting-wise, at some point, somebody from both teams was either being recruited or had a had a decision to make that they were either going to go one way or the other, and that that really ties in a lot.
1: Yeah, I've heard from you, you talked about the familiarity, and I've talked to different guys, and what I've heard a lot is, obviously, the fan side of things, it is just pure hatred. We know that. 365 (laughs) days a year, this game never goes away. But from the players, obviously, there's some of that, but it's a lot of mutual respect from what I've heard because you talk to different guys, and they have a lot of friends, again, that played on those teams, and I think specifically just off the top of my head, like, when I spoke to Stephen Garcia and Connor Shaw, you know, they're, they're really good friends with Taj Boyd. Like that's actually a really close friendship. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a real mutual respect on both sides of the ball from Clemson and South Carolina. Just, just talk about that aspect of it.
4: Yeah, for sure. And um, my, my partner, Preston Thorne, he played at Somerville university, AKA Somerville high school. And they had tons of guys that, that came out of, um, you know, Somerville, Dustin Fry, Bernard Rambert. And some of those guys were a decision or two away from being a Gamecock or being a Clemson guy. So for Preston's instance, you know, he always felt it was fun to kind of tackle your old high school teammate that you never really got a chance to tackle in, in <laughs> high school because both you guys were, were on the same team and, and, and winning. So you didn't mess with that type of stuff. So there is on the outside looking in, the fans are like, man, I can't stand those guys. I can't hate them. But for us players a lot of times and there's times where you know we'll be like you know the game is the last game of the year we're going to stay up there and and party in clemson a little bit if everything works out (laughs) the way we want it to and the same way for here i vividly remember my freshman year you know a bunch of guys that i played in the shrine bowl with um you know the guys would just come down here and stay um even after those games and you know i always have to admit and tell this story and i always want to put it out there publicly because my guy bernard rambert um, he wasn't my guy in high school because he was always running all over us at James Island, but when he got to Clemson, the year we we beat them here in, in Columbia, Bernard actually stayed the night, and uh, he hung out with Preston, and I can say as the night went on, Langston Moore was probably not the most cordial, nice guy, and uh, after a while, Bernard was like, man, just stop, man, you won, y'all beat us, quit rubbing it into the ground, but that's also kind of the The jabbing that we also like to kind of give each other that, you know, we might not go as far as some of the other folks and and to the extremes that we see some other folks go to. But, you know, we never let each other live that stuff down. And that's the thing about this rivalry When people say, man, how many games did you
1: win against Clemson? And it'll never
4: be enough. There's never enough wins to even out all the woes for that. But um, it's always good to have your stories.
1: You mentioned the 2001 game. I want to talk to you about that one really quickly. Obviously, again, that was the one time you were able to get those guys while you're at South Carolina. And, again, some of the battles you went through, I mean, we all vividly remember the 2000 game, which I think we would both agree was uh, stolen from you guys with the (laughs) push-off. But uh, just 2001, again, you know, it being the last game of the season at home, a really tough-fought game. Just talk about that one. I mean, is there any better feeling than, you know, like you said, beating your rival and doing it at home at williams Bryce in front of the Gamecock faithful? It's I mean, I don't want to give them too much credit, but
4: it felt really, really great to win that game because, you know, all the build up before I had personal stories about my recruitment with Clemson and different things. So to, to your point, to do it, to do it at the end of the year, uh, no night game. That was actually an afternoon game and, and how we did it. You know, we, we kind of stifled their offense, which was doing tremendous things with Woody Dansler and the rest of all those guys who were Clemson uh, wide receiver university and all those different things. So to do that for Sheldon to make those interceptions and and all I mean, it just is really really a really great feeling and again I think that's something that's different from any other rivalry because again a lot of the teams that had stuff we had things on the line that year for a bowl game and better bowl uh, uh weather and geography same thing for Clemson they were already winning and we we're trying to get back on track and, and and marry that up with our bowl success so you know all of that together just makes it one big last big fight and big brew hall, hall, not literally but uh kind of figuratively with guys on the football field in the rivalry but that also leads to the building up of years and years that something like in 2004 it kind of boils over and uh you know football fights aren't foreign to football guys and if you've been on the football field or any kind of sports team eventually guys are going to fight just like family members and brothers but uh to the outside crowd it
1: looks really really scary no, for sure, so I, I want to get your take on, obviously, we've talked on the field, for you off the field, though, obviously now, and then even when you were a sideline reporter, you know, how much different is the dynamic? like what does the rivalry mean to you? because again, I, I have to imagine you know, definitely you being a sideline reporter where you caught the end of the five game winning streak, and you know you have a job to do, but you bleed garnet and black. I mean, you're a game cock, and just now, like how much different is it for you if at all, like what, what, how what does the rivalry mean to Langston more nowadays?
4: Uh, it it means a whole bunch of things. Um, you know, when I was on the sideline and and seeing again, through that lens of coach Spurrier and kind of how he prepared for the rivalry, um, it, it, it made me feel really good because again, timing is everything because I got to be on the sidelines and it was kind of a similar deal. They had success. They were winning championships and they went out there, but they couldn't get over the hurdle that was South Carolina and all the things that we were doing. So that's when Clemsoning was a thing and, and all those different things. Um, you know we we wish that they would do some of those things now, but they figured out like a good rival does, they figured out ways to get over the hump besides just having some success and um you know for us, it's the same will and uh, obviously, we didn't do a good enough job like they did during the transition um you know, they took advantage of them saying okay man we're 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 lacking here, we need to get a little bit strong on the defensive line, and ultimately, they helped propel that program to the national stage, and I think that's what just the situation where we're at with South Carolina where it's not it's it's right to have that speed spur kind of mentality that if we just focus on one deal, it's not, it's going to hurt us for the rest of the year. But if we prepare and put ourselves in the situation to handle that foe on our way to doing some other things, it'll take care of itself. Obviously where Clemson is now, they're a national power five, top four team. So, you know, we can focus on just beating them, but if we prepare ourselves through the whole entire year and kind of end the season off or end a season off where we have an opportunity to beat one of these teams, the Clemsons at the end of the year, that is, that's automatically going to put us in a great position. So I think we have to prepare and and know that this game is on the schedule. We all know this, but have to look kind of beyond that deal. And I think that's where they did a really tremendous job, uh, preparing themselves to look like an SEC team being really strong in the trenches. And we've seen that the last few years with them, uh, mm-hmm. drafting a whole bunch of guys and they reloaded this year with a bunch of young guys.
1: No, for sure. No, I agree with you a hundred percent. So I, I want to talk about links in the upcoming game. And then we'll get into the fight podcast, which obviously again drops Thursday. Uh, this game we all know the task at hand you know South Carolina staring six losses in a row to Clemson right in the face just talk about this game we know it's been a rough season like I said we mentioned off the air that you win this one game it it completely erases it's funny it erases everything that happened before this game but just talk about this game in general what do you see and we all know again it's it's a it's a tall mountain to climb we have seen South Carolina go on the road in Athens though and pull a huge upset when you were a 24, 24-and-a-half-point 24 underdog. You're a 26-point underdog this week, 25-and-a-half, something like that. But, but, you know, what would you tell those guys in the locker room, and what, what does South Carolina have to do to even have a chance to pull another big upset this year?
4: My my thing is we have to just really – and it sounds really boring, but you have to really focus on the little things. Because this this Clemson team, you know, a lot of people see, oh, they roll up a whole bunch of points, and they can do all some different things. But when they play the, the Texas A&Ms or even to the North Carolinas – and teams figure out ways to try to slow down the run. Uh, obviously, they got a supremely talented quarterback, but really making him make a lot of really tight, difficult throws, which he will try to do. And so that gives you an opportunity to maybe pick one off or with your defense alignment, like a Javon or somebody can come back there and make a play to make that difference. And so that's the difference for our team. For South Carolina, I think we have to go out there and execute all the little things. And that's not something sexy you want to hear. You want to hear, man, we're going to run the get, we're going to run this spread offense, and there's something they haven't seen before. But just being on the details, that's the difference uh, between a team that's kind of four and five, or four, has four wins or five wins on a year, and the kind of middle of the road it had opportunities to win, it, 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 win some more games, mm. which we obviously know here at South Carolina we could have done that with, if we played better Missouri, Tennessee, different things. So for us, um, it has, that's where the details were lacking. So for in this game, especially the last game for us, we have to go out there and play with a tons of tons and tons of effort and enthusiasm, which should be no problem. It's a 12 o'clock game. Uh, you know, we're playing in front of our home crowd, all those different things. But being on the details and making sure we do all the little things and then all those big plays kind of open themselves up. But it's kind of like – You know, uh, this is something I had to learn a long, long time ago. That you know, you don't, as a as a young kid with all the athletic talent and speed, you're just like a a young pony. You want to bust out there and run as fast as you can, but sometimes that's not warranted. You just need to do the little things, and then when the opportunity comes, you really can strike it loose and, and do what you need to do. So again, that's. Probably not the answer a lot of folks want to hear, but that's something that Coach Muschamp is probably really trying to reiterate to these guys across the board on both sides of the football and even with special teams is that we figure out a way to be on the details, play with tons of effort. We got guys who can win football games. That's evident. We've done that against Georgia. We've done that in the past. But for us to do that this week, we got to make sure we put the pressure on Clemson to perform because that's the other thing where we can flip the switch where we allow the, the pressure for them and all the things that they have beyond this game Cause they're going to try to play for style points. They're going to try to do a lot of those things. And the more we do that, we get them to get out of character a little bit and maybe we can get some opportunities that we didn't think about before.
1: How much does that win? Would you say earlier in the season at Georgia, how much does that help at least maybe the guys in the locker room or just like the psyche of those guys, knowing that they've kind of been here before. I mean, I remember the week of Georgia, you know, nobody was giving South Carolina a chance. Again, you go into (laughs) enemy territory and get the win. I mean, how much, How much do you think that win and having that confidence that you've kind of been here, done that, how much could that help South on on Saturday?
3: It can
4: help tremendously because that's the thing about being young and dumb is that, you know, sometimes you listen too much to the people patting you on the back and sometimes you can listen to it too much. So I think kind of where the program is now, when we're not ending on the note that we want to have a bowl game, you know, third time we haven't been to a bowl game in 16 years, all these different things. Uh, So for this, you really got to show to the kids that, man, look what we did here. Well, uh, same type of situation, top four team, you know, nobody really gave us a chance. You want to throw the point spread in there. It's kind of similar, all those different things. But when we do what we we're supposed to do collectively as all 11 guys, seeing everything the same way and playing with tremendous amount of effort because it's the last game of the season, there's nothing to hold on to. Um, there's no reason for us not to go out there and replicate. And here's video proof of you doing that job. Here's video proof of you splitting this double team. Here's video proof of you getting downfield and not just doing your job of picking up another block are some different things, but here's also some opportunities where maybe that game didn't need to go into overtime where we could have done some things to really try to put more points on the board. So I think that's the thing about young guys are so, you know, they see things viscerally they they see so many things. And and I think really having that tape and seeing themselves and uh, not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, even though football seasons can feel like years at the time, um, that's not too long ago. And those young kids can remember that and, and play from that point of power and saying, We've done this before. It's in within my realm of possibility. I do have athletic ability, and this is all those things collectively can help us kind of go out there and play to a level that we probably haven't been playing at it consistently.
1: For sure. So I want to talk about the fight podcast series now, links, and obviously very excited about this being dropped. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's being dropped in the athletes and artists uh, SoundCloud page. We're going to be a seven part series. Just kind of give the listeners, everybody listening just kind of an insight, what it is, why you guys wanted to do this, obviously profiling the 2004 brawl up in Clemson. But, you know, just what it is, where you can hear it, why you guys wanted to do this, and what you're hoping to achieve from it.
4: Absolutely. So my my partner in the book business with me, Preston Thorne, he was a co-captain that year, 2004. So he was on the fight on the field that day. I was playing for some other Tigers. I was playing for the Cincinnati Bengals then. But this is kind of the 15 year anniversary. This is the 15 year anniversary. And this is kind of a story that Preston would always talk about. We ride in the cars all over the state, cross in south carolina so we got this idea about a year a little bit over a year and a half ago to say man let's go and try to tackle this podcasting deal because podcasting was something more and more popular uh that's that format of storytelling so uh just wanted to get beyond and really dive deep into it because to your point there's so many different angles uh there's the players vantage point there's the the fans the nationwide perspective and there's so many nationwide stories tied within this rivalry that people forget about i mean uh because of the brawl, we got Coach Freer. Because of the brawl, Clemson eventually found their all-time winning as coach. Lou Holtz exiting, that never being uh, another, he never coached another game in his life and how those things ended for him. Uh, the malice in the palace the night before and how those things reacted without social media. There even was no social media. <laughs> the music of the day, even the locker room setups down in Clemson. Um, you know, you talk about that 2000 fight. We really touch on the history of that fight, why there was so much animosity and how that kind of not spilled over the next year, but four years later, because there that same small, thin door that separated us in 2000. Was still there in 2004, and that really was a problem for a lot of folks in the locker room. So we really try to uncover all these different things. We wanted to be completely agnostic, even though uh, Preston was on the field that day. We got tons and tons of Clemson guys, administrators, police officers, equipment folks to just tell us all these different stories, because that's one of the biggest things we we found out through this whole podcast deal is that memory is funny, and what we think we're certain about, or what we think, while we're really really upset, and why we don't like these certain people. Um, Memory is really, really up for grabs like a Hail Mary. And so a lot of times, you know, even as time goes by, it's like your dad telling that fishing story. That fish gets bigger and bigger every year. And it was snowing and there was a bear chasing him and all these different things. So it's coming back to this deal. And it's just really want to pay homage to this rivalry that we were lucky to be a part of and, and know so many guys on each side of it.
1: For sure. When, when, will, uh, when will everything be dropping? Is it all going to be dropping Thursday? Or what's kind of the schedule for you guys uh, dropping the so, three's?
4: yeah our schedule is we're going to release everything on uh thursday all the first three episodes and then the final four episodes we'll, we'll release the following week uh we got a lot of help from josh kendall who's working for the athletics so mm-hmm. he uh co-partnered with, with us and helped us write a lot of this stuff uh, we do have some real journalists on there to bump around and give us some expertise so uh he narr- he's narrating some good portions of it and uh it's going to be fun to, to get it out there and to hear everybody's stories, just teasing it out over the last couple of four or five days. It's, it's amazing to hear all the different stories and, and folks chiming in. I, I saw some guy chime in and said, man, that was the day I, I, uh, you know uh, asked my wife to marry marry me and if she wasn't going to marry me uh, we weren't going to the game so you know his 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 story was that she said yes and then they went to this game and it ultimately ended up being a brawl so all these different things are really really interesting to talk about it'll all be on our website athletes and uh, you can also find all this stuff on the social media and under the, the hashtag the fight
1: and uh, it'll be right there Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait to listen to it be sure. Yeah, fans, check it out. Everybody go listen. It's going to be awesome. Uh, we'll be sure to share it on social media as well. I know it'll be all over there, but uh, no, some good stuff, man. That, that, that'll be awesome. Uh, I'm going to get you out of here, Langston, but last question before I let you go. Obviously, again, you're a guy that you've been in these battles in the trenches. You have played in this game, actually. You've know, you, you worn the garnet in black. You've been on the sidelines. You know, you've been a guy who's been an alumni and watched from a distance, if you will, when you're playing in the NFL or playing professional football. If you had to pick one either your favorite memory or like your best story from Carolina Clemson what you know it doesn't matter whether it was when you were playing for South Carolina when you're on the sidelines whenever what would you say is like the one memory or just the one thing about this rivalry for you personally that sticks out
4: oh man um there's so many but I guess the one that because uh, how different is history if we rewrite it right so if right. Rod Gardner doesn't get that push off and uh, Jeff Scott, my, my my partner's former boss at Blythewood High, if he messes up the snap and they miss the field goal or something, how different is Lou Holtz's legacy, my own legacy, right. if we go two and two as opposed to one and three? I, I tell that story because, again, going back to that Clemson locker Room, um, after Rod Gardner did all of that crazy stuff and, you know, he, he set us up for, for – or set them up for the game-winning field goal, that same – small, thin aluminum door that separated the locker room between these two heated Uh Rod Gardner made sure he came to that door and banged on that door and said he was the cock killer that day. C-O-C-K <laughs> cock killer that day. And, you know, hearing that story, because the next year we turned it, we beat Clemson at home. Uh, but one of the things was, you know, Lou Holtz was like, you know, no, I know you guys want to rush the door and do all these different things, but you got to kind of stay in here and take this because this is what this rivalry is about. And that's what it really charged guys up. And, you know, next year we went on to do a bunch of different things, win nine games and, and beat Clemson at home. But um, it's always those type of little jabs and stuff like that. And I'm sure there there are tons of stories that we've heard from Clemson guys that are kind of similar things where if you're on the Gamecock side, you're like, yeah, you guys deserve that. <laughs> but if you're on the other side, you're like, oh man, that was kind of a dirtbag move, but that's what this rivalry is for. And like I said, I'm just blessed to be a part of it and, and tell these little stories.
1: That's awesome stuff. Well, Langston, as always, appreciate the time, my man. Uh, keep up the great work. Obviously, you impressed him with the Just a Chicken children's book, the work you guys do around the state, and obviously providing the great content with this uh, the Fight podcast series. Obviously, I know, I'm really excited to listen to it. I know what everyone else is as well. Uh, the 15-year anniversary of the brawl, it's just crazy. You never think when it happened, we're still going to be reliving it now, but it's, it's part of our history, and, you know, we just embrace it. So, But really do appreciate all the great work you do, Langston. We'd love to have you back on again sometime and talk some Gamecock football. Absolutely, man. We appreciate you guys. All right, perfect. So for Langston more, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on an episode of the Spurs Up Show. <laughs> all, right, all right, all right. What is
2: it you want to do when you grow up?